Okay, well, welcome everyone to the second of two podcasts that we're doing here at NHS England and Improvement, focusing on our new maternity early warning score tool or our MUSE tool. Um, The first podcast, which hopefully you've listened to, uh, was included a discussion between myself, Peter Watkinson and Marion Knight about the background of the development of the tool, some of the science behind the data that supports the tool. And Marion very eloquently spoke about the sort of the scale of the issue and the recurring problems that we see in relation to deterioration of the pregnant mother, certainly within um, the data that she looks at within the Embrace report on a regular basis. What we're going to try and cover today is a little bit more about the clinical aspects of deterioration thinking about the operationalization of this new tool and the implementation of it, and then really also wanting to talk about what we see as some of the advantages and challenges that we're going to have as we move forward with this process. Throughout the uh, podcast, we're going to be talking about Muse tools, not Meow's tools, because we've developed a a specifically looked for developing a maternity-specific tool. And as I say, the two podcasts link together and we're hoping that by listening to both of them, you'll have a sense of the direction of travel, where we've come from uh, and the sort of the breadth of experience that we've drawn on. I'm very grateful to be joined by a number of colleagues today who've both got uh, obstetric, midwifery and obstetric physician backgrounds. Um, I'll allow each of them to introduce themselves. Um, But just to say my name's Tony Kelly. I'm a consultant obstetrician in Sussex. Uh, I work in University Hospitals Sussex at at the Brighton site, Uh, but my other role is as the National Clinical Advisor for the Maternity and Neonatal Safety Improvement Programme in NHSEI. So that's really why we're here. I I think the first thing I wanted to talk about with with our panel today is what we see as the key clinical issues with regard to maternal deterioration, but thinking about sort of the clinical and human factors issues that we've got. Some of the things that sort of came to my mind were the issues about the rarity of the events, some of the fact that we train people for rare outcomes and the difficulty in timely recognition are some of the things that I really was thinking about. But I I just really wanted to hear from you as a panel as to what you thought uh, some of those key issues were. And I'm going to pick on somebody to start with because it's easier to get the ball rolling. So I'm going to go to Louise, if that's okay. Thank you, Tony. Um, So I'm Louise Page. I'm a consultant obstetrician for half the week uh, in North West London. And the other half of the week, I work as the Deputy Clinical Director for the Maternity Investigation Programme at the Healthcare Safety Investigation Branch. It's been great to be involved in the uh, in the development of this MUSE uh, tool. And I know that um, clinicians on the shop floor are really looking forward to seeing it uh, in in practice and being able to to use the new tool. Um, So for me, the important clinical issues around um, why we need a standardised MUSE is is so that we're um, allowing um, clinicians to have the opportunity to recognise when a woman is becoming unwell before she reaches a, a crisis point where she's acutely unwell. And that's in the name, isn't it? You know, it's an early warning score. So um, that, I think, is, is always the challenge. Um, we know that uh, birth is physiological and, of course, 99% of women will have a completely uncomplicated pregnancy, labour and birth and postnatal period. But trying to pick out the women uh, that are becoming unwell is a challenge. And um, within a busy clinical setting, 
um, having a tool that helps us to know that um, the woman in, in, in room two is, is, you know, healthy, progressing physiologically in her labour and everything is, is going as we would expect is really helpful. Equally, it's really helpful to know that maybe the lady in room four is um, having some signs that um, things might be going uh, away from the physiological and that we can do something to to intervene to um, to support um, safe care. That's really interesting. Louise. I mean, that echoes what Marion said in the first podcast. I think I, I won't quote. Actually, I might even be able to quote it directly. Um, she mentioned about this idea about trying to recognise deterioration early enough. Um, so in fact, I think what she said exactly was reducing morbidity by recognising deterioration early without women having reached the limit of normal rather than escalation when becoming extremely unstable. And I think some of the issues that teams may see when they look at the parameters that are in the new tool is that they might seem lower, you know, not as extreme as they used to, because I think the narrative up to now has been escalation at the point when treatment's required rather than actually getting to the point where intervention prevents significant deterioration. So I think I think that's going to be a really interesting idea. But as you say, the rarity of the events makes this slightly more challenging. I was wondering if Hannah or Catherine wanted to come in at that point to think about what it might feel like from a midwifery point of view. Hi, so I'm Catherine. I'm Edwards. I'm the Director of Patient Safety in the Thames Valley region, the Oxford Etchison, and I'm a midwife by background. Um, so my particular interest is patient safety in this um, instance. So I think the important thing for me that's coming through from this is really about how useful a tool like that is for midwives when you're, let's say, for example, you're looking after women on an antenatal or a postnatal ward and you'll have several women and lots of competing needs to, to address it there. So being able to use a tool which gives you an indication of, of deterioration earlier so that you're able to pick those women out and make sure that you're um, uh, appropriately caring for them. When you've got a lot of other things going on, it's a tool that's going to be able to show you there's something going on here. Um, so I think that's that's really key. And I think as well with maternity early warning scores, it's about having that language to be able to express your concerns about what's happening with a woman. So that it's very simple for as a midwife to go to a doctor going, we're scoring this, these are my concerns. And everybody in that conversation is understanding what's happening there and being able to see the trends as well within that, I think, is really important. OK, thank you, Catherine. I mean, that's I think that's key for me in, in many ways. And that early recognition, that standardisation, I think, is going to be useful. Some people may not be familiar with the new tool and process, but one of the key differences between the newly developed national tool and a lot of tools that are out there is we're moving away from a pure sort of escalate or don't escalate process. So we've got a graduated escalation response depending on the total score. Many tools out there will escalate on the basis of having one parameter that scores red or having two yellows. This will basically mean you escalate at different to different people at different speeds of escalation, depending on the total score, which I think will allow us to be a bit more selective on how we respond. Um, before I go to Hannah, can I just bring Anita in at this point, just to think whether there are other elements of uh, this process that present other key clinical issues? I'm thinking about maybe the challenges we have about the fact that not all our women are looked after just in maternity units or maternity settings. 
Thank you, Tony. I'm Anita Banerjee. I'm an obstetric physician and a diabetologist at Guy's and St Thomas's Hospital. The reason I'm here today is I have a particular interest in deteriorating pregnant women and education. And I think, Tony, you're spot on. With the clinical issues, there's two aspects. One is we've all got to be aware of it. So where is training? Do we all understand? And when we think about the different settings where pregnant women can present, whether it's accident, emergency, acute medicine, are they aware that we have a national scoring system used? What I can tell you from the work from the RCP that we've carried out with the Society of Acute Medicine is that people didn't know we had a different um, scoring system. And if we did have a different scoring system, as we all know, it was different in every single hospital. So I think this is really key at this time when we know that we've got News 2 right. So News 2 is a non-maternity system. And my goodness, the way it's been carried out and understood is fantastic. And how we actually merge News with News 2 will actually make a real big difference. So, Tony, I think the clinical issues here, the two that I really want to say is training and awareness. And the second is making sure it seamlessly, we all understand when we use News 2 and when we use News. Okay, I think that's that's vital. Um, we certainly, I think, in the development of this, the plan is that this tool will follow the woman wherever she is. So we've developed now, a, we have a tool, as you all know, that will take her from conception to four weeks post-delivery. And I think we can cross over then and go back into using news too. Um, we all know that when we le- read some of the reports over the years, both current ones that will come out of HCIV and ones that will come out of uh, embrace that we know that we get into trouble when we look after pregnant women in different settings and there can be confusion and under recognition of physiology. So I think being able to do that, I think, is going to be really helpful. I also think that the fact that we have a similar approach to calculating total scores between News 2 and Muse will allow a lot more synergy um, between between care settings. So I think that will be hugely helpful. Um, Hannah, can I come to you now? Because I, I really... I think what we what we're talking about here, we talked about rarity of events, talked about different clinical settings, standardization. But that's very much focusing on the identification of the problem. And I just wondered whether, you know, you and I spent a lot of time in this space thinking about the next step, the escalation and response. And I just wonder whether you wanted to briefly talk about what you see as some of the issues there that we've got to consider. Yeah, um, thank you, Tony. So um, I am Hannah Russell and I'm um, a midwife by background, but I'm also working and leading the maternity early warning school work within MACNEO um, SIP. And I, I, I thank you for the question, but I wanted to also just reflect on what the other panel members, members have said regarding standardisation. And um, we started this process two years ago and um, have come a long way in those two years. However, what I really was lacking in appreciation when I commenced this um, pro- process was the actual huge variation of um, early warning scores in maternity across the country and alongside um, only the not only the huge variation in scoring um, and how people score and whether that's in colours or in numbers but also the escalation and response that are associated with those tools and I will be really quite honest that I never questioned where the evidence base was for the maternity early warning score that I used I never questioned what the escalation and response um, sort of rationale was behind that tool so it's been a really really interesting journey to understand um, what components really should be going into a standardised tool and how that can be reflected and really sort of, and really um, 
taking that one step further on the shop floor, so to speak, and actually as part of this process and um, moving on to the escalation question that you asked me, Tony, um, what what I felt really, really um, strongly about at the beginning of this process is that we know that escalation can be sometimes quite difficult within organisations and maternity units in particular. And what I really wanted to see in this tool was a a graduated escalation, but also having the women and families represented within this tool so that they can actually have a voice, but also that midwives and, and doctors can also have, feel that they have permission via this tool to escalate to the next level if they're not getting a response from the um, earlier uh, sort of primary response clinician. So for me, it's been really important that we have looked at um, A, standardisation, but B, also some sort of standardisation around how we then take that into the next steps of escalating our concerns and actually what the appropriate response should be for those those concerns. So what I really truly believe that's come out of the, you know, the, the product of it within this tool is that we have given permission to escalate through those those pathways um, through this all. Thank you. Good. Yeah, I think that's completely right. And I, I totally echo what you're saying about the, the way in which we can bring in more, as we, as we put in the tool, those additional concerns, which may be the, the non-physiological parameters that may include the woman's concerns, the healthcare professional concerns, as well as other features of her clinical condition around bleeding, pain, etc. So I think those are really valuable to be there. Um, but having them as a way of giving permission to escalate despite any change in physiology, I think is important. Louise, I think you wanted to come in earlier and, and make another point and then I'll go to Anita. Yeah, I was just going to say on the back of what um, Anita was discussing, um, within um, our HCIV investigations, we um, have the um, uh, ability, luxury to um, be able to investigate a mother or baby's journey across um, organisations as well as within organisations. And um, one of the things that we see um, not infrequently is um, is women who've um, had care from um, the, an ambulance service as part of her um, her pathway, and, um, and so the use of news too within the ambulance service is also very embedded. And so just thinking about that kind of pre-hospital elements of um, of, of the introduction of this tool, and as well as um, getting our colleagues in ED and on um, acute medical wards to be thinking about using a, a muse tool. Um, we also uh, will very much need to be engaging with our colleagues in, in uh, pre-hospital care um, so that uh, within the ambulance services, um, um, AMUSE becomes the uh, standard uh, assessment um, for pregnant women uh, or postnatal women in the community. Yeah, I, again, I completely agree. I mean, it was interesting. Amanda, we had Amanda Mansfield on the group, as I'm sure you remember. Um, and I think she brought some really interesting insights as to how they have to deal with potential deterioration out of hospital, which I think helped us mould this tool a little bit as well. So if you go to a woman who's pregnant woman, you're called to see in her home and her observations physiologically look normal, but she's having quite profound vaginal bleeding you're not going to leave her at the home because everything looks normal. You're going to look at the clinical parameters and that's why you would transfer. I think we can reflect that in the way that we would manage women in the hospital. So you're saying, well, actually, there's something not right here. She has profound bleeding. She doesn't feel very well. Her physiology looks normal. I still need to ask somebody to come and look at her. And I think it 
it, it does put a very different pressure on you. But I, I think the out of hospital care is is going to be challenging. But I think if we can standardise it, I think that will that will make a huge difference. Anita, did you want to come in at that point? Yeah, thanks, Tony. And I, I agree with Louise and I'm reflecting on what Hannah's just said. So there's a couple of things I want to bring in here. We talk, we've already echoed and discussed about standardisation. And Hannah used a really interesting word with, with this new Muse chart. We're trying to give permission. So I think it's really important for us now to think about what are we trying to say in the new world post-COVID and this restorative period, we're all exhausted. We're bringing in a new chart that we want everybody to use and we've got to engage everybody. And to do this and get it right for every single woman, I feel that we've got to talk about gathering information and understanding it. And Louise, you brought a really important idea that somebody goes to see somebody, that they are a woman, that they need to come into hospital, they've got a baby and they're bleeding. And deciding where they go and what to do, allowing permission and using the Muse chart to escalate, to get the right person to make the right decision at the right time will actually stop the deterioration later on and stop these cases going into the Embrace report and improving morbidity. So I think Muse will be used for saving lives, but I think more importantly, it will also help with morbidity and reducing the stress and the tension and the stress and tension is not only for the mothers, but it's for our health professionals and us. You know, it's very stressful to see a woman getting sicker and sicker and not understanding what to do. And we can always not have headspace. You know, we're in a different phase in our lives. As a doctor for the past 24 years, I've never felt like this. And I think it's really important in the next 18 months as we work on this journey that we work together to get it right. So I hope everybody's listening to this podcast today. So you just touched on something there, Anita, which I think is probably the, the area I wanted to just move into now, which is partly around what the consequences of this process will be if we're changing it and standardising it, as we've said, but also what some of the challenges are. And I think even if we were landing this in a, a, a workplace which wasn't fatigued, which wasn't under huge stress, I still think this would bring quite a lot of cultural challenges because we're changing the narrative here. But I think we've also got a, a really big opportunity to think about how we can escalate and respond more appropriately to support clinical teams, to support those conversations. Um, I was wondering whether, Hannah, would you be able to reflect some of the findings that we've had from Each Baby Counts Learning Support, maybe some of the interventions that they've been using in this escalation space that we're hoping we can probably bring to the conversation to support the new tool, um, and just to sort of briefly talk about some of those? Um, yes, thank you, Tony. Uh, it, it's, um, the Each Baby Counselor support journey has been a really interesting journey to follow because um, um, having been part of it at the very beginning before moving into to this role, um, it really touches on um, the barriers to escalation and the barriers to response and actually how we can think about a more standardised approach. Um, and we're all very much used to the SBAR and perhaps um, the Listen to Me campaign that was um, a few years ago. But actually what, what they did is they've produced um, a wonderful suite of toolkits that support um, clinicians being able to talk to other clinicians. So sort of 
in their aid. So aid is um, assess, inform and decide. So you can actually use that well in language to to articulate your point clear in, in a more clear and clearer way. But also thinking about things like team of the shift. And actually, I know that we we're all probably over like thinking about the word safety huddle and team huddles however actually thinking about the the cultural impact on a team within that day and actually what the workload is looking like on that day and actually talking and thinking about the humanistic side of your team and actually what might be bothering them so that actually you can sort of just start to understand and actually you know work out actually what looks good in your team that day and to be able to support members of the team that need a little bit more of um, more nurturing. Um, and they also used um, a, a process called teach or treat, which I, I really like. And um, I, the, I, the fundamental sort of ethos of it is that, you know, you have a concern and actually that concern can often be dismissed or sort of de-escalated quite quickly by by a clinician who's actually really busy and moving on to the next um the next problem but actually it's a really good way of asking well if 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 you aren't treating this and if you aren't going to take this any further could you please inform me and teach me why this is actually not a problem in your eyes at this at this moment in time so thinking about the escalation they did a whole load of work on barriers to escalation what good escalation looks like so thinking about much more than just s-bar in an escalation um, process is is definitely a way i think that we should be moving i think these tools are going to be useful i think there's a number of other things that we can hopefully draw on but it's uh, i think for me i'm looking at this as we're going to have a reliable way of identifying potential deterioration early we can then start supporting teams who are hard pressed, let's be honest, to work more effectively together to recognise and deal with that escalation. I think one of the challenges I'm sensing and certainly our wider conversations is I think we've got to build some trust um, that this tool is going to be better than with the one they're using already because, you know, no, nobody likes change and particularly at the moment where change is a challenge a lot of the time so i think we've got to build some trust but it if we're reinforcing it about this narrative about getting upstream of the problem i'm hoping that that that, that will that will support the process a, a little bit better but i just wonder whether anyone else felt there were going to be any other key challenges that they could sense that we might come across just so that i you know i think we should be open about the fact this is not going to be straightforward um, and you know, I'm sure other people on who are going to be listening to this will already be thinking about, well, that's not going to work here because. And I just wondered, go, go ahead, Lou. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that um, uh, certainly in the British Interpartum Care Society, um, uh, in the mailing list that we have, um, it's a it's a fairly frequent question about Muse and about which people are using, and 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 certainly people are um, are aware that this tool has been developed or is being developed and um and that uh consistently i'd say probably over the last uh six to twelve months people have been waiting for it to come so i think that there will be a a good cohort of um of units who know it's coming who are waiting and are just poised ready to uh get going with the implementation which uh, hopefully will then help to then drive through their experience they can then drive um the change uh wider so um, I, I think there is enthusiasm out there for it. Um, the thing I was thinking about, we, you know, we all need to remember about um, we we all do now a lot of MDT training. We've got our sort of prompt or equivalent kind of um, uh, 
um, annual updates and everything. And it's, it's remembering to build it into that so that um, the scenarios that are being used within that can use this um, uh, new Muse chart so that um, people are, uh, are seeing it in, in those simulated training events as well as um, using it uh, on the shop floor. So, um, yeah, I, you know, we all know that changes is, 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 difficult and has its ups and downs but but I do think that there is desire out there that people are people are excited um about hearing that it's it's ready for launch let alone the fact that it's really pretty this new tool as well let's not forget that so um Anita yeah thanks thanks Tony I agree so Louise we know that in maternity people are waiting for it but what I want to do is ensure that outside of maternity we all know about it so we, we've done a bit of work, haven't we, for the RCP and increasing that awareness in accident emergency and the GP practice, you know, everywhere we want people to know about it. So, Tony, I think all of our challenges is to get this out there and let it have a ripple effect everywhere. Um, and I know the work that you've been doing with Hannah should help with that. But I think podcasts, getting it out there and being in those areas, being in areas of non-maternity, i.e., with the colleges, with people on the shop floor, you know, every single health professional, no matter who you are, should know when you're pregnant, this is what I need to be assessed. And that takes me to engaging the women. The women need to be engaged. The women almost need a flag or a badge to say, I'm now pregnant. You know, like you're on the tube, I'm pregnant now, give me space. It should be, I'm pregnant now. You've got to look at a different um, chart for me when you assess whether I'm sick or not. I think that's our challenge. That's a really interesting idea. I hadn't thought of that as a way of promoting, you know, sort of reinforcing the use of a muse tool. I, I think one of the, one of the huge advantages we've had of the group that we've had, apart from having you involved, we've had, um, Deborah Horner involved, um, sort of representing the intensive care, um, society and, um, you know, other, other sort of contributors who've been bringing that sort of high dependency intensive care OAA sort of viewpoint, um, I think has been really valuable. Audrey Quinn as well, obviously, feeding into this process. I'm aware that the enhanced maternity care report is being updated, which we're hoping will be um, finished and in circulation by the end of this year. And I think the other elements of the response, as well as this humanistic side, I think is going to be identifying the women who need greater input and, and, and acuity of care because they're unwell. But that doesn't always have to translate into them moving into high dependency or intensive care. And if we can keep these women in the maternity space, so they a, stay with their, you know, with their loved ones and their newborn baby, hopefully, if it's a postnatal scenario, then, then that's going to allow us to, to hold on to them better, but structure care better as well, which I think allows us to use our services better, you know, make sure we're, we're getting in there early. Um, so having those viewpoints, I think, has been great. But as you say, we need to have a greater awareness that, that this is coming. Um, and, and that I think is going to be a challenge, but not, not one I, I, I think we, uh, we can't deal with. Catherine, you, you wanted to say something at that point. Yeah, so entirely agree, um, that it's really essential that this is not only seen as multi-professional implementation, but system-wide implementation. Um, and I think, so one of the things I would say is, so, 
uh, in part of my day-to-day job. So I work for the Patient Safety Collaboratives, of which there's 15 across England. So wherever you are in England, you will have a Patient Safety Collaborative that will be able to look after you. So one of our jobs going forward is going to be be looking at that local implementation and support of this tool. And so not just looking at it as a trust level where you'll go into a ward and drop a drop a whole load of charts and run off because we know that that's tempting to do when there's 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 so many other pressures but it won't make this work it's really about embedding a tool the tool itself is a nice to have it's the whole system so i would encourage anybody as we go through this process you do have some support coming from the patient safety collaboratives to work with you about how you embed that tool and look at those escalation processes as well. I think one of the things that we may come across, which which people have, have brought up earlier as well, is the the level of trust in the tool. Why is this better than what I have already? Um, so I think there is a lot of work out to make sure in our communications we're really clear about where the evidence has come from and how we've progressed to this point so that um, those conversations are easy for people to have on a local system level as well. We don't need them to be doing that work for them. Um, And I think we probably have to be um, a little bit upfront as well about uh, the challenges with uh, uh, record keeping. So digital versus paper records. Um, So implementation may be quite easy for us when we have paper records, but we know that most of our trusts and certainly all of our trusts should be moving towards digital. And it's the timeliness of how that happens and how that works, because we again, we're tempted with electronic patient records to just dump a a few um, boxes into into the records and, and not necessarily think about how that's working from a human factors perspective in your day-to-day life as a, as a midwife, as a doctor, etc. Thank you, Catherine. I think those are all incredibly important points. I, I suppose just to give people who are listening, hopefully, a little bit of confidence and context with maybe some of those as we move forward. Um, the There is going to be an update of the digital electronic record standard this year, um, and we in NHSEI as part of this have wired into that so that that will ensure that there is a new standardised way of displaying and calculating MUSE scores that will echo the paper tool that we've developed. So individual organisations won't have to sort that out themselves. That will be done centrally. Then all the the digital providers will have to follow that if they want to continue to provide uh, maternity um, electronic systems. So that will hopefully be helpful. It's not a small job, as you can imagine, but it's certainly something that we have our eye on. I think the the understanding of the validity of what we're doing, we we talked about in the first podcast, but there is quite a large grant program grant that's going gone in, um, which will allow us to do a prospective validation of this because no one's validated uh, maternity early warning scores in relation to outcome before, um, it, it, you know, certainly at scale. So the fact that Marion Knight and Peter Watkinson are going to lead that process, I think, is going to be fantastic for us. So we can learn as we go, which which I think is is going to be absolutely critical. Um, and then there was a third thing that you said, which was the first thing which I've now forgotten because my aged post-COVID brain is not working well enough today. Um, but I think all of those things sort of come together. And I'm hoping that we're being open and transparent about the fact we're not expecting this to work in isolation. And now having remembered the last thing, the 
as well as the Muse tool, there is we have been supporting um, the British Association of Perinatal Medicine with the development of their new NUTE 2 tool for looking at the deterioration of the newborn. And most people will be aware that the ABC group, it's a partnership between this institute, Royal College Obstetricians, Royal College Midwives, are developing a new process for uh, fetal monitoring. And the, the forward view of this is we're not going to try and introduce all three tools in a, in a all with separate processes. All three of them are there to identify the problem. What we then want to do is have a common way that we manage the escalation and response so that people are using the same language, whether they're worried about the baby, the mother, the mother and the baby or the newborn baby, um, so that we don't lead to you know more confusion in the system. So I, I think trying to knit all this together is, is going to be really important. Um, we're coming up to time, so I just want to say, firstly, thank you all for your, your input, but also ask any of you whether you've got anything additional you wanted to add at this point before we wrap up. Han. Thank you, Tony. Uh, I just wanted to come in um, at the end of this podcast just to, to say how how privileged and how exciting this journey has been and to um, really sort of like let the listeners know that we haven't just made up a tool and that actually it's been through really quite a robust process to get to the point that we've got to now. It's been through huge consensus building and prototyping with many, many clinicians across the country. So I hope that some of you are listening to this podcast now. You've definitely been part of this journey and actually just really excited to be part of something really new. This hasn't been done before. There hasn't been population data to support this. We haven't gone through consensus building. We haven't gone through the robustness previously to get to the point that we are at now. So it's just to say that it's been a, a privilege to be be part of that journey. And hopefully part of that journey will be to protect women um, from deterioration in the future. Beautifully said. Thank you. Anita, Louise, Louise. I was just going to echo exactly what Hannah said, but also just I feel like I've had this big secret that I haven't been able to sort of share with people as we've been part of this developing this. And now I feel it's really exciting that we're going to be able to have, you know, it properly launched and have people that I know are waiting for it to come to use it. And, you know, and I think that, you know, it's got robust methodology behind it. I've certainly learned a lot from um, being part of those discussions. And it's and it's also it's. um uh it will give um clinicians on the shop floor the tools to escalate um to um to 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 act on those early signs so that hopefully uh we can make um or continue to make the care for mothers and babies safer Vanessa? yeah thanks thanks tony yeah i feel privileged like you hannah that we've been part of this and understood it i am excited for the future and i think if you've listened to the rest of this podcast and you've heard both one and two, then hopefully the listeners will be part of it as well, because this is not just a one stop. This is for us forever. And I, I really feel that um, there will be both changes parameters wise, but I think the cultural and behaviours that we need to change with this will come with the, the muse that we've developed. Thank you for letting me be part of it. Catherine, do you want to add in at the end? Um, yeah, just to say, equally as excited and um, 
keen to be part of the next stage of this. It's been really fascinating going through the process of the development um, and the implementation, I'm sure, will be just as fascinating um, and interesting and challenging to to get through. Um, but I think I think in this era where we've with, from a maternity perspective, we've had a lot of bad news re recently. We've 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 got a lot of challenges and obviously with the Ockenden report coming out this is this is a way in which we can really address some of the fundamental issues that are causing harm to women um and uh for, for that reason i'm i'm really excited to be part of this and hopefully everybody who's listening will be as well thank you and thank you all of you um just as a sort of a footnote so everyone doesn't get too giddy and carried away with themselves um we are currently, depending on when this goes out, in the process of doing some uh, testing with a number of units across the country on how well this tool performs when it's used in clinical practice, both on some sort of cold cases and then some alongside testing before we move into full implementation. And the timing of that may be a bit variable depending on what we find when we do some of this testing, um, but then we will go forward with a much greater implementation process across the country, but that's going to be staggered and will take some time. So um, as Catherine said, you've got the support of the national programme and of the patient safety collaboratives. Um, so if you've got any further information that you need, then please do get in touch uh, and our details will be on the relevant web pages where this is displayed. But all I want to say, therefore, is thank you to Catherine, Hannah, Anita and Louise for her time today and um, hope you enjoyed listening. Thanks very much.